0: What's up, guys? This is your host, Dan Giffen. Wanted to encourage you to check out LiveProducersOnline.com if you haven't already. You can join as a basic or a pro member, which gives you access to project feedback on any projects that you're working on. It gives you access to our downloads page and our webinars page to access a bunch of sample packs, fully produced projects, and all webinar replays that we've done with Ableton Certified Trainers and other producers of all sorts. Uh, That's for basic and pro members. Check it out. Go to LiveProducer Online.com. Join the family. We're redesigning the site. So we're going to make all the webinars and the downloads a lot more searchable and user-friendly to be able to navigate the site. So check that out. That's coming up very soon. Liveproducersonline.com. See you on the other side. And now for today's podcast with Madeline Bloom. Well, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ableton Music Production Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Giffen. Uh, Today, we have an awesome guest. Her name is Madeline Bloom. Uh, She's a producer and an Ableton Live expert. She founded the website Sonic Bloom, which provides a variety of content and training for Ableton Live producers around the world. Uh, Madeline also worked directly with Ableton doing tech support for a short while. Uh, She also produces organic electronic music under her name, Madeline Bloom with an uh, interesting blend of classical instruments, field recordings, intricate melodies, and it's uh, overall just really cool music. So thank you, Madeline, for joining today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I know that you have a lot of experience producing in all different realms, uh, but yeah, let's get to know you a little bit better. Tell me a little bit about how did you get started with producing music? What was what was your journey like and where did it begin?
1: Well, I kind of never saw that much of a distinction between like playing music and recording music i don't know i don't know why that is i think that kind of got that wrong but for me it kind of always made sense to learn both so when when we started recording music with my first bands um i kind of wanted to learn more how to do things and the first few times that was like working with a four-track recorder and everything um and i just kind of really liked it and then i was studying media design um and they also offered uh, courses at the music conservatory um, in electroacoustic music if you could get in because they had very few spots. And because I was classically trained on the guitar and I had uh, learned about computer stuff already um, from a fairly earlier age, I always got in. And um, and that's that's a lot of like electroacoustic music is a lot of like sound engineering as well because you you have to know how to kind of create new sounds and stuff and um and then the rest kind of just happened
0: (laughs) very cool so you had quite a bit of training i guess at a, a young age is what it sounds like
1: yeah i started with six on the guitar classical guitar um and later on um jazz and blues as well and then with like 15 or 16, I started my first band with friends, a classical, like cl- classic kind of like rock pop band. I was always interested in kind of adding other things. Like, so we added like uh, playing on, on the rims of glasses and stuff like that as well, fairly early on as well. And, um, awesome. and then I got a groove box as well, but that was within like the third band, I think.
0: <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Some experimental glass music. I would love to see that. Was it similar to where people like lick their finger and run the rim of like a crystal glass to make harmonical kind of sounds? Yeah, that's there? it. Like,
1: but and if you tune a lot of them, you actually have a real instrument. Um, that's
0: so cool. It'd be fun. Run that into Ableton. Yeah. So I guess how did that lead you into using Ableton Live? Like, where did that come about?
1: I I was playing with a um, kind of like very experimental project wasn't even a band we we never rehearsed or anything so so we had like two people on computers um nothing was synced and then one guitarist and i was doing um vocals and other bits and pieces um and one of them uh, the ones with the computers used able life and so I kind of was like, oh, so what, what is he doing? I'm like, oh, okay, that looks interesting. That could maybe work for what I want to do. Yes. And so I started looking into it. And I think, I think that was like Life Four, and I wasn't oh, wow. that impressed that much back then. Um, so I kind of That's
0: changed since then. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, so I didn't actually use it for a while, and I think I really got hooked with Life Six.
0: Yeah. So you definitely predated me. I got in when 8 first came out mm-hmm. and I've only known it since then, really. Yeah, I mean, you also did some tech support with Ableton Corporate as well.
1: Yeah, um, when when Life 8 was out, like a, a little while after it was out. Yeah,
0: okay. two years, Very I think, nice. later. Yeah. So what was that experience like? How did you get involved working with Ableton directly?
1: Well, I actually applied twice for the job. The first time they wanted someone English speaking um, and I didn't even get to the interview stage. And the second time um, I hung out with some other producers um, and one of them was like, well, uh, you know, like you're really good with Ableton Life, right? Like they're, they're actually looking for people right now. You should you should, you should really apply and so I did this time they were looking for German speakers and I got it so
0: nice I've taken uh, Spanish and German classes and I still can't speak worth my life like (laughs) I could use use some training from you on my German it's pretty bad (laughs) did you go to loop this year
1: uh no no I I hopefully next year like this year again actually so it's already new year
0: Yes, this was the first year I was able to go, and it was mm-hmm. incredible, an amazing experience. Um, I'm not sure how similar the loop was um, in the US versus what it's been in Berlin, but uh, i am it was incredibly inspiring and met so many incredible people who have actually been on the podcast as well uh, because of that event. It's just a big family gathering, really, of a bunch of music nerds just teaching and learning and growing and connecting. It's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, uh, like from what I've heard from other people, uh, it sounds like it was fairly similar, at least in like how people experienced it. Because you, n- you never manage to see everything that you want to see, and yeah. at least for me, it, by now it's like I always get stuck in between talking to people. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And you miss all the workshops that you had on the agenda, but there was like no way you could have ever gone to all of them anyway, because there's so much going on.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's, it's too much stuff. That's really interesting. And you you never manage to do all of it. And then there's so many interesting people to talk to as well. And yeah.
0: Yeah. It really should have been a month conference instead of just a few days.
1: Yeah. Or at least a week or something.
0: Right or just every day if, if loop was every single day then life would be perfect and beautiful i mean we'd never get anything else done but we'd be really happy and learning no, a lot
1: no music either
0: <laughs> That's true too. although you know there was a lot of people who were just going to each other's hotels that i was talking with and interacting with and heard about who were just like hey come over and let's work on a track and they would just go they met somebody that day they would go back and just bust out a track within like two days over the course of loop and now they're still working on projects together. I met several people who who that was their story. It's just kind of cool. Yeah, that but, sounds good. But speaking of Ableton, um, Beta Live uh, 10.1 is out now. It's public. Uh, can we talk a little bit about that? I know that I've been testing it. I'm. I know yeah. you have as well. So uh, share with share with me and everybody listening a couple new exciting features that you're excited about
1: that I'm excited about. I'm still deciding what I'm most deci- excited about, to be honest. I very much like all the automation um, features that they added, like the curves and how you can um, twist the curves as well really easily. Uh, mm-hmm. I also like all the shortcuts, because I love shortcuts. So, yeah, that stuff's really great. Um, I haven't yeah. explored the wavetable um like the option that you can add add your own wavetables yet that much. I have to do that more. First, I have to start creating my own wavetables and that I can load that. That should sound interesting. But yeah, 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 there's lots of of great stuff in there. Oh, and one thing that I really love is that, that uh, is, that hasn't been mentioned anywhere yet uh, is the um, macro mapping. How would I, they've made little changes. Like for example, that when you oh, macro yeah, map something, you, you um, like before it went to the default again, or just uh, went all the way down. And so you had to kind of set it to the setting that you wanted right. again. Right. And uh, that stays now. So you don't have to worry about that anymore uh, because I kept forgetting, like what was the value? Um, and then another uh-huh. thing is that it's, um, it's, it, all the map parameters now show what macro, like the name of the macro that it's mapped to. Um, I mean, quite often because it's not much space, it just has a couple of letters and some dots in between, but it's still an improvement.
0: I didn't know that. That's exciting. It's
1: That's really cool nice for, for like doing sound design and things because there were, there were quite oh, a yeah. few things where you kind of could get stuck more easily.
0: Yeah. And macro mapping, building out audio effects racks and things like that gives you a lot more flexibility, it sounds like. That's really cool. Mm. Uh, so yeah, one thing I'm really excited about is being able to freeze tracks that have sidechaining on them. I'm, I've am i been a huge advocate of trying to get that the last year and a half. And uh, you know, for people who just have monster projects, I do a lot of mixing and mastering. Mm. So for, for me, finding ways to make my computer not cry is always beneficial. <laughs> so I've I don't
1: I don't use that, that many plugins uh, compared to yeah. other people, I think.
0: You know, honestly, I use less plugins now than I've ever used. And I think when you first start out producing, it's really easy for a lot of people to jump into the plugin world because they find all these amazing sounding presets. Um, But over the years, I've found the more I use Ableton stock devices, like they're just so DSP friendly, and they sound great if you know how to use them. And so for me, I've been using more stock sounds, native audio effects and instruments inside live more than I ever have. And I think when people really understand how to use a lot of the tools inside live, then it translates to most plugins. Um, for example, like if you know how to use oscillators, if you know how to use filters and all those things, yeah, um, they're well laid out inside of Ableton's stock devices. and then you can easily figure out if you can figure out the interface of the plugin, you know what does what pretty quickly. Um, and that translates really well both ways.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, the thing is like back when I started with Ableton Life, I didn't have much money, so I didn't get many plugins. Um, yeah. So I, I, I basically had to learn all the things in Ableton life. and back then I had to, uh, the standard versions, so there weren't that many um, effects either or anything. So I just mm-hmm. kind of, and and since I I don't like presets usually, like the sounds that I like are generally not in presets. So I end up mm-hmm. just kind of learning how to design to design things myself. So yeah. I I prefer it that way. Uh, so, and I don't sidechain as much either like I, I don't yeah. know I I I well, I EQ a lot like to kind of get the sound right I EQ a lot compared to other people and it works really yeah. well for me so
0: Yeah Yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense uh, I like I I see sidechaining in two different respects I see sidechaining for sound design like mm-hmm. the EQing the EQing side of things and then I you know also see it uh, or I'm sorry, I see it for like the sound design and just weird effects, like making stuff pump in and out. And then I mm. see it as like a mixing standpoint, like what you're saying with the EQ, where there's, you know, you'd be carving out certain frequencies, making stuff play nice together. So one is just for experimental reasons. The other one is just to tidy up the mix. Um, for me, that's how I see side chaining. Yeah. What are, some, what are some other 10.1 features that are being rolled out that you you were surprised by or that you enjoy?
1: I really like the delay because it's mm-hmm. the, it's nice. Yes. That it combines the simple delay and the ping pong delay. Yeah, um, and and it's nice to have like the you know the the fade jump and re pitch in the front panel. Um, yeah, you don't have, to have right that click
0: anymore. Yeah, and because I most people it. never
1: find this.
0: Right. I Yeah, it took me a while to actually figure that out. And when I found out, I was like, what? You can right click on this and find that? That's crazy. Yeah. So that is nice. I think a lot more people are going to discover that just organically by looking at it. When I Mm. first heard about delay, I was like, well, they already have like the filter delay. They already have a ping pong and a simple and echo. Like why another delay? And then I actually started playing with it. And I was like, this is really fun. Like, this is really good. I like it. So I'll probably be using that 90% of the time now for any of my delays.
1: Mm. Yeah, but. I really like it. Um and uh I'm not sure about the channel EQ yet. I haven't I have to try that more on things.
0: Yeah, I played with that on a couple different bass sounds and drums. I like it because it's simple and fast. You know, like I think a lot of times when I'm trying to produce, it's one of those things of, I like to be able to get inspired quickly as I'm producing. So I don't get slowed down or bogged down as I'm trying to move through a production, you know, producing gets more fun, the faster you get. So you're Mm -hmm. not just stuck on one thing. And that's kind of how I see the channel EQ. I see it as almost a quick fix. If I don't want to do something real surgical, Like it's kind of a fast. Let's slap it on there. Let's cut this frequency real quick and move on. That's kind of how I see it.
1: Right. right. Well, I kind of have like a like a nice default preset for the EQ8 where I can just EQ things quickly. So I I think that's that's why I don't see it quite yet. I I have to try it more. Like the thing is, like while I've been mixing and mastering for other people as well. I have been doing that mostly now where when I wasn't allowed to do it in live 10.1. And I said I was going to send back the the uh, live set. So I was like, yeah, well, I can't do it in 10.1 then. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, and- I did that mistake, too. I wrote a really great track and I completely forgot that Ableton defaulted to 10.1. I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm stuck in beta now with this song. And it was like halfway done. I didn't realize it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing. So I haven't tried that. Uh, that much yet. What well, mm-hmm. there's there's so many other small features as well, like
0: mm-hmm. like you were saying uh, the shortcuts. There's a lot of really cool shortcuts um, for like quickly zooming in and moving around, like for yeah, and op- op- opening track pad.
1: F- opening tracks or aligning tracks so they, they fit perfectly on the screen and stuff like that, which is nice because mm-hmm. quite often if you have a lot of tracks, you end up just kind of closing them up and then. And it just didn't work. Oh, and the, the S for solo, I like that much better than S for kind of oh, yes, closing collapsing. all the tracks, like yes. the collapsing of the track. I was like, yeah, but okay. So, but I really need to do this. Like, I need to unfold yeah. them rather, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. No, that's what did they change that to? Because I was trying to play with that. the S other is day. for solo. Yes, I know that. So I used to use S all the time for collapsing tracks. And now I hit S and I'm like, okay, so where did it go? That's what I was trying to figure out. Like instead of S for Oh solo, that was like what was the collapse of the tracks now? What did they change that to? So I was trying to figure out because now I is, have to hit command all to highlight all the it's tracks. It's H
1: or W around. or something.
0: Okay. I'll have to play a little bit more with that. Probably W. I was, I it might be. Yeah. I'll play with that some more.
1: But amazing. I like the S that it that that is solo's tracks. I do
0: too. I it do. It's really yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Just having to retrain my fingers <laughs> to jump around on the keyboards.
1: Yeah. So. It, it, I had to retrain myself not using the computer keyboard anymore because I quite often just go like, well, got a quick idea. I'm just going to damn that out a little bit on the computer keyboard. I'm yep. like, it's what's not, why is not doing anything? And then like, ah, oh, yeah, I have to turn <laughs> it back on again. And, uh, yeah. but I've, I've changed. I, I got it like a, like a stand for my push that you can just attach to the um, to the desk, and you can mm-hmm. just move it around, which is nice because I can move it in front of my my uh, mic as well.
0: Yeah, I need to get myself one of those because I have to like swing my chair completely and turn around to play something, and mm-hmm. I find myself getting really lazy just like trying to play like a piano line on my keyboard when see, I see that's it. Turn <laughs> yeah. Said.
1: that's exactly what i used to do
0: yeah
1: and now i actually like i i, I started i uh i got melodics um and uh, and i'm actually practicing every day oh, just great. to to get yeah. really good with the like i'm okay with most like simple finger drumming stuff like mm. for ages because it's like well it's not that yeah. different than playing instruments but it's uh a good-
0: the guitar rig for MIDI controllers. That's kind of how I see it. Guitar, sorry, not, G- guitar,
1: guitar Hero. Hero. Yes, yeah, you. right. I, that's how I explain it as yeah, well.
0: <laughs> it is. It's Guitar Hero or rock bands. You know, it's kind of like that for people who want to play MIDI controllers. I love it. And they have a piano one now, too, teaches you how to play keyboard and a few other ones that they're rolling out. Um, but. Oh, right. I'm, I
1: hadn't seen that yet.
0: Yeah, there's good people in that company, too. I talked to them for a short while, and they make some good stuff. And there's a lot of good people that are developing a lot of their software. Um,
1: they should yeah, include I mean, uh, ways to to uh, to import your own kind of things.
0: I thought about that. That would be really nice. Yeah. Because I've been, I've been ex-
1: wanting for that is that they have a lot of techno stuff where, like, yeah, I can. Why do I have to practice the kick first? <laughs> I can easily play You're the right. kick.
0: <laughs> so you know, if you could import your own songs or samples into it is that what you're saying and then yeah
1: yeah because right? i i, I yeah. like using um like like i don't have they they either have the basically the, the really straight stuff with like techno mm-hmm. or like the stuff that i like to practice the most is uh hip hop stuff okay. because they, they you have to, go to get the laid back feel right and everything
0: yeah yeah i feel like hip hop across the world is kind of, it's been growing, I feel like the last couple of years, like I've just heard and seen more of it in like the mainstream playlists on Spotify and just like in mainstream TV and music. It seems like I've heard more hip hop, especially like lo-fi right now. That seems to be really huge, at least in like the US, especially West Coast and East Coast. I'm hearing more of that.
1: Right. Okay. I have no idea, to be honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm still pretty old fashioned with hip hop, I think
0: well let's talk a little bit more about your music um, I was listening to it on Spotify it's really cool it's it's got like a nice blend of uh, these almost kind of like Foley sounds with like this indie kind of electronic vibe it's really cool I encourage all of our listeners to go check it out um, Tell us a little bit about your process, like when you start producing a song. This is one of my favorite questions to ask people because it's always usually a different answer. Um, yeah. And maybe it's always different, but like, do you have a, a certain kind of workflow that you've adopted to start producing songs from scratch?
1: Well, I I I don't have that much of like a starting point, but but what I realized for myself is that I have to have the lyrics finished, or otherwise I'm gonna get quite badly stuck in between. Because then I try to crowbar the, the words in and I'm really not good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to kind of have like the rough vocal, like lyrics finished, just the lyrics. And then I, I don't know, it, it can start from anything. Anything that gets me inspired sometimes that might be a beat or a bass line. Sometimes I have a, a melody in my head or sometimes I might play something on my roads or on my Arian Bira or I might have a sample that kind of, that I loop and, and that kind of gives a nice rhythm and kind of gives it a tempo already. Or I start, um, building like, a like doing like a little creating little preset, uh, that I just find enjoyable and then play around with it. And then I come up with an idea or something. Um, so I don't have like a, a starting point. I always start, um, Because I find that keeps me more creative, because otherwise I would be afraid that I would kind of copy myself at some point. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I heard you and Brian talk about on his podcast episode, I was listening to it uh, this morning. And one thing that you mentioned was uh, having a really well organized user library of sounds and presets that you've already kind of made to kind of use outside. Whenever yeah,
1: it's sound good. library. Yeah, user library. My user library could be better. Not and uh, it's not as nice as I always recommend it should be <laughs> at the yeah. moment. That's um, funny. But I have a really uh, nice sample library that I built. Like I think I was in two thousand and five already. Um, mm-hmm. that recorded? Lots of things uh, on my MD recorder back then. Um, I now have Zoom. Um yeah. And, and so I, I did a lot of work then to kind of just build things that I could use. Uh, although I realized that I mostly use them for the, for the uh, Sonic Bloom freebies in the end. Uh, because like, oh yeah, another thing that I do, like why I like having the lyrics early on is I kind of take like what sounds I want to use or what kind of feel the song should have or even the genre because I don't really do genres. I've been criticized for that as well before. Um yeah, someone wrote me an email. Someone wrote me an email saying like um pick a genre, and stick with it. <laughs> That's
0: funny. Well, that just means you're more original. You don't have to be defined by a genre.
1: You I I don't it. understand where the categories end. So that that I find that very confusing, especially with like all the electronic oh. subgenres. You know? know, so I might I might use like on my on the last song that I've uh, produced uh, it's basically um, drum and bass, but it has like verse and choruses and everything. And so it's like weird, obviously. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, and so it kind of, like, I, I, I end up always breaking genre rules anyways. Like I've, I've done that even with like my guitar teacher where he was like, but you were not supposed to do the, do it like this. And I was like, yeah, but I like it like that. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I kind of, I feel like that's what music is make what makes music so fun as well. I can always break the rules. Um, but like, so what I, what I like to do is like, I keep like uh, take words, from the songs um, uh, where, you know, like, okay, so is there anything that makes a sound? And then I kind of look for the sounds and I quite often use those things to build the beats. Not always. Uh, Sometimes you end up having lyrics where there's nothing that makes a sound. So you can either do it by association or, you know, something like that. But I I like doing like, like something like that. Like the last song is called volcanoes. And, and, um, I mean, I didn't have a volcano nearby to record, and uh, <laughs> I do have dangerous. like, I have like recordings of mud pools and and things like that from when I was in New Zealand. But on my on my uh, video recorder and that the tape deck stuck, so I I couldn't use that either. So I just oh, no. it's a YouTube way this time, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a, a website called freesounds.org.
1: Yeah, that's uh, great.
0: I- I grab a lot of my samples and sounds off of there. Like if I didn't want to climb a volcano (laughs) to get sounds.
1: Yeah, although I I couldn't find a good volcano um, eruption on there.
0: Yeah, I feel like that would be a pretty dangerous field recording for a lot of people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you have to know what you're doing, I think, yeah.
0: For sure, yeah. Maybe like rent a helicopter and fly over it and something like that.
1: Yeah, but then again, you have the helicopter sounds.
0: That's true, you're right. I don't know if a gate could fix that. Fix That That might be hard. But
1: Well, I think yeah. you basically have to be far away enough and then wait long enough to have like a really big eruption that makes a sound. That's true. It's really yeah. nice for a kick.
0: <laughs> that would be nice for a kick. Yeah, um, I'm sure maybe you've heard of Andrew Huang. He's really fun yeah. tam- on YouTube. He was on the podcast as well, but he did like a really great kick drum sound with a uh, Big Lego it was like he used legos to make some really good drum sounds you never would have guessed that's what they were so that's one thing i love and respect about you is that that playfulness of hey i'm going to see what i can come up with i'm going to have this idea and i'm going to see how i can shape that into something that sounds the way i want i think that's what really draws a lot of people to creating music, especially in a software like Ableton Live that's so versatile and flexible is that you really can be extremely creative with all the tools that are given to you. And uh, just yeah. being able to being able to actually materialize what's in your head and knowing how to do that, that's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So let's talk a little bit about, since we're talking about samples and sounds and things, um, I know that you founded Sonic Blue, Uh, It's a really great website. I've watched several of your tutorial videos and the packs and things that you've made through that site. Um, Tell us a little bit how that got started and and who that's for.
1: Well, um, well, the idea kind of started when I was working as a tech support at Ableton uh, because I realized that I kept writing out the same tutorials over and over just in emails. Mm -hmm. And that's quite boring uh, and takes a lot of time. And the inbox was always too full. It, it never got empty enough ever, and um, yeah. and uh, and so I thought like, well, there isn't a good tutorial online at the moment, so I asked my um, my boss if um, if it was okay if I just wrote tutorials on my my music website back then, uh, just to kind of save some time, because there were like there were tutorials, but quite a lot of them they kind of missed one crucial step and that's why people got stuck over and over. And so I kind of just wrote that out, like every single bit and it just kind of looked at everything was like, yeah, that's one. And Oh no, I missed a step here as well. Um, and so I basically did a lot of the like beginner tutorials at first. And, um, I started, started sending them in emails as links. And then my colleagues kind of did that as well because it, you know, saved time. Um, and then when i left ableton i thought you know like i'm it, it looks like there's there's actually still an, a spot for me kind of to to do this like there's still people that are looking for help um and and like for example i like really weird midi controllers like like game controllers and everything that's kind of like out of the ordinary because like even with like push 2 is great i really like it but I don't stay in a session view very long, for example. And then it's always like this when I'm producing. So for me, it's like rather useful when playing live. But at the same time, I kind of seem to do things differently than other people. Um, And I have a lot of like things that I want to make happen so that, so things become uh, complicated quite quickly. So I ended up kind of just looking into really weird controllers and like, what like things like Cliff X, like where you can just oh, extend yeah. the, the the usability of life so much more. Yes. Um, Cliff X is amazing. And I realized that I was really good at explaining these things, and then I was nerdy enough to have enough knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I so I just started Sonic Bloom, and I just kind of for for a couple of months, I just uh, released just like tutorials. Yeah. Uh, so it's not just kind of for me to kind of earn a living. It's also kind of like here, I, I'm, I try to make these tutorials as simple as possible so that everyone can understand them and just access them for free. Um, and then it just kind of grew from there. Like I just kind of looked yeah. at like what people liked and what I liked doing. And
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's really great. I, I love the content you guys are putting out. Um, it's
1: just me though
0: <laughs> oh yeah you're right i mean i keep saying you guys because it definitely seems like more than just one person i would never even guess that's how live producers started as well as i started using the words we just because i had another friend helping out on the side but it was like 99 percent me and it's like
1: but that seems to be yeah. an american thing to kind of just say we anyways so no matter how that's few true. people there are yeah <laughs> we do that yeah. differently
0: yeah that's funny yeah, maybe it just makes Americans feel more important. Maybe when they say "we," like it's bigger than it is. <laughs> well, it is a whole
1: company, know. not just me. Yeah, right.
0: right. <laughs> but at That's the same funny. time,
1: like if you say "we," it looks like all the work you do on your own is various people. So you kind of right taking something away from like all the work you're doing as well. That,
0: that is true. That is a good point. Yeah. Well, now we're fortunate to have a lot of different members, but you know, I, I think community is really important in the music production scene as well. And you know, being able to hear feedback, I'm sure, for you as well, is really helpful when you create a tutorial or a pack that somebody shares and loves and says thank you. Like that's one of the best feelings in the world being mm. able to know that you can help people accomplish something that you know they love to do I, for me, what's even really better
1: fun. is like when when like because i've been doing this for years now uh that people come back to me and it's like you know like l- remember when i asked you if i should you know try and go full-on musician and i was like well you try and you know and and i was like yeah i'm, f- I'm a full-time musician now and, and it really works and Great. so this is like this is even better to hear because they actually got to the point where they're doing what they wanted to do.
0: Yeah, Um, it's fun. One thing I love about the music world and music production specifically is um, you think about a lot of businesses, right, in a business industry. A lot of times it seems like businesses are competing against other businesses. But I think one really fun thing about the music scene, especially like with the Ableton family or people that just produce music in general, I think there's like a community focus aspect of like helping each other out. It's not like we're all fighting or competing against each other. It's that we're all sharing the same passion. And it's kind of like we're all being able to do similar things that we love and encourage and cheer each other on. And yeah, that's, that's what it's about. So you been producing for a while now um, do you have any latest developments that you're that are in the works right now that you're excited to share as far as your own music or
1: uh, yeah yeah um, basically well I I only have to find time to see if the masters are all good and everything then I think well there's I think there's, there's two songs where I might go back to the mixes because I'm not quite sure Um okay. But uh, the rest of the songs are done for the next album. Otherwise, uh, although I've been saying that forever, because there's always other things coming up, and yeah, yeah. And the thing is, like, you can't make that much music, much money with music anymore. So it kind of ends up taking a backseat quite often, and it gets quite annoying. But yeah, it's. Uh, it should be uh, it should be coming out sometime later this year. I'm gonna go look, have a okay. look around if any label wants it. Um, I, I technically do have my own label, but it's so much work, and I already have another job, and I would rather concentrate on being able to play gigs as well um, yeah. instead of yeah. just doing like all the uh, all the marketing there as well and the PR and and.
0: Yep. It's it's a lot of work. People usually don't try to become full time musicians for the money. <laughs> that's usually not like the <laughs> angle. It's like I'm going to be rich someday, so I'm going to make music. That doesn't really happen. <laughs>
1: well, except you, you know the right people from the beginning. Like if you're yeah. someone's fame, uh, someone's uh, son was famous, you know, like that's true. Then it, then that might work with that approach because otherwise, yeah, if you're lucky, yeah. you're going to make good money.
0: No, you're right. I think it's a combination of hard work and who you know, and a little bit of luck. I think all three of those together is kind of the formula for success when it comes to being your own musician and doing it full time. There's a book by a a well-known DIY producer named Ari Herstand. I started reading it. I don't know if you're familiar with that name, but he Mm -hmm. wrote a book uh, called How to Make It in the New Music Business and it's really really good gives a lot of really great insight i encourage all of our listeners out there to check out that book he's not paying me to say this i'm trying to get him on my podcast but he shares, <laughs> he shares a lot of good from the ground up information how to start and make it successfully as an independent artist it's really really good i guess how can people continue to stay connected with you with your new music that you're going to be releasing and how can they continue to follow what's going on in your world?
1: Well, uh, Sonic bloom is always the first one. Um, there's also a link to my music, uh, I think on the contact in the menu, uh, my website is madelinebloom.com. So simple enough, I think.
0: Okay. Um, so what- that, that, We'll include so, all of those links in the show notes. So everybody yeah. listening, if you check out the show notes, we'll make sure we have all that in there.
1: Yeah, and then the, the rest is like, I don't know, we'll have to see. I, I'm still, I, I had to kind of let music go for a while um, because of Sonic Bloom and then health issues. And so I'm kind of just trying to kind of get back into it. And people have been asking me like, so where can I get gigs in Berlin? And I was like, I have no idea anymore because I've been out for some years and things change too quickly. And I only know like the big clubs, but the big clubs is really difficult to get into. So you have sure. to start with the smaller ones.
0: Oh, yeah. In a place like Berlin, I'm sure there's a lot of competition for artists trying to get into a club. That's pretty good. Yeah. Cool.
1: There all of a sudden, it means something that I'm making music and then I'm playing a gig. Whereas in Berlin, it's like, so you're from Berlin. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I i the
0: best I, in the U.S. Come visit us over here. In the
1: I, West. I I will try eventually, but it's probably gonna take me some more years because the visa thing is difficult enough and you know, like you have to be able to cover the costs at least.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Traveling, it's not always cheap. If you can fly find a good flight deal or things. Well, let me ask you this on a side note. When when you're searching for these gigs and you said you like to play elsewhere outside Berlin, what are a couple steps that you take in order to book a show? I'm just kind of curious if you have a process that you've worked.
1: Yeah, waiting for people to contact me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, I'm sure like having a good online presence is a big part of that and being able to brand yourself online for people to find?
1: Yeah. You? Yeah. For example, like with my music alone, uh, it helped a little bit, but that was like almost 10 years ago. So things were quite different. Um, mm-hmm. Like me blogging uh, back then, that kind of helped me build up an audience. Um, and I was fairly early on Twitter as well, uh, okay. um, especially for, for Germans. And and back then it was like all the nerdy types, and so it was quite interesting. And I, I actually like I, I talked to a friend um, about like weird MIDI controllers and and so on, and uh, and uh, Heap. Uh, I don't know if you know her.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, she, she was one of the pioneers for the MIDI glove. Uh, yeah. Think of it. What yeah. was the name of that again? I the
1: Mimio gloves. Yeah, yeah. I, yes. I like. I'm, I'm wait, I'm waiting for the. The new version to come out that should be considerably cheaper. We really? don't want I didn't them. Yeah,
0: awesome. yeah, they, they've
1: been working on that for quite some. I, I know quite a lot of the people on the team. Um, cool. And um and and it's really great. And they've been they're producing everything in the UK as well, where they're located. So no cheap China production or anything like that. They're trying to do everything in an ethical way, um with a with a, a zero carbon footprint as well. I think. Wow. And still, they still, they found a way how they don't have to sew the the gloves anymore, I think. Uh, okay. So that, that, that makes the production a lot cheaper because that was a lot of handwork, work yeah. uh, because everyone has got different sized hands and fingers and everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are really amazing. And I really want those.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've been wanting to play with one for a really long time since I saw I've,
1: I, I, I've gotten a chance, the chance a couple of times by now, like,
0: For those who don't know what we're talking about, can you like really briefly explain what it is?
1: They're basically gloves where they have like um, sensors in the, in like in the fingers. So you can make uh, gestures like they have like gestures, like um, I don't know, like uh, puppets um, or uh, rock and so on. And so you basically can control uh, like anything like, you, you can't just control uh, like Ableton Life, You can control technically anything. Uh, they have a program as well called Glover uh, where you can basically train um, the program to accept your way of doing the gestures because everyone will do them wow. slightly differently as well. And yeah. then you can just basically create your own gestures as well and then just map everything. So you can do pretty elaborate things. But unfortunately, you're also going to have to learn how to hold the, hold up your, your arms quite f- for a longer time. Because I had no idea like how exhausting that would be when I tried it for the first time. It's quite it's quite different.
0: <laughs> it's a good arm workout. Yeah, can yeah. Cancel, cancel your gym membership and just uh, <laughs> wear gloves all day. Make music. It's right. a good day. <laughs> That's awesome. You'll definitely um, have to check that out. So there's a new version coming out. I'll keep my eyes open for that. That sounds fun.
1: And the, just to go back to like the, the how do I get gigs and stuff like that. So back then, sure. that kind of stuff that worked. Like, so you mentioned he kind of asked me to open for her. Like after she had discovered me music on Twitter, That's and great. Uh, but then like then people started going like talking about Twitter on TV shows and so on. And then everyone got on Twitter, and then it kind of got quite horrible. I think. Oh no. <laughs> um. It was really nice. Like, yeah, I had really, really nice uh, conversations where I learned a lot of things as well, um, especially, Great. like, about technology. And uh, and now I think I'm going to try and just do that through Sonic Bloom, because quite often I'm getting booked for jobs as well, where they want my technical expertise but also my musical knowledge, um, which is nice. Yeah. So I think that kind of works. Like I, I got to play in Denra- Denmark in the uh, Royal Music Academy last year. Like I gave a workshop, and then we all played at the end. It was a live performance workshop, and so yeah. things like that are nice. And it's a, like it's it's easier because you have like a, a combination of things that work together. And and so I I could I was thinking of like if I can't figure out the way how to tour on my own maybe i can figure out the way how to kind of tour to give workshops and then yeah. play as well to make enough yeah. money
0: but yeah that, that'd be great and that's a good way to meet new people um, not only to build a fan base for your own music but just to be able to help people and teach other like-minded producers and musicians it's a good way to make connections
1: and it's fun as well
0: yeah oh absolutely anytime you get to travel and do what you love making music that that should be fun <laughs>
1: I actually like that better because like when I went to Aarhus, I I stayed there for a week instead of just, you know, like a night. So I could actually get a bit of a feel for the place.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to respect your time. I know you have a lot of other things to get done. Um, I'm excited to see the new music that you put out, hopefully sooner than later this year. We can check it out. And um, uh, for all of you producers out there, go check out the site. Uh, sonicbloom.com and it's uh, dotnet actually or i'm sorry dotnet yes. <laughs> Sonic, sonicbloom.net it's not.com and uh madelinebloom.com right that right. is the dot com okay there we go yeah i had it backwards all right well thank you again for joining us um yeah like i said i'm excited to see the new stuff you put out and uh, maybe we'll have you back another time
1: yeah thanks for having me and uh yeah let's stay in touch
0: Absolutely. Uh, tell all of the Ableton friends over in Berlin that I said hello, and I'll see you <laughs> again soon.
1: Yeah, I might do that at the user group as well. I, I think yeah. next next I think is next week, and I, it sounded quite interesting again.
0: Yeah, yeah. User, uh, and that's a good reminder for everybody listening. Um, if you aren't already aware, there's a lot of user groups organized in most of the major cities. Um, in the US, there's a fair amount of user groups. So um, if you are looking to connect with other people that are using Ableton Live, uh, maybe do some research. Usually it's on Facebook. Uh, you can look at the Facebook groups or go to the website on Ableton Live or uh, ableton.com and search user groups in a city near you and go and see if they have any meetups coming up. It's a good way to connect with other artists.
1: Yeah, especially if you're new in town. That That mm-hmm. is the thing that I always recommend.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks, Madeline, for joining. Uh, Yeah, have a great weekend and keep making music and look forward to seeing more from you.
1: You too. All right.
0: Bye bye. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. This podcast is sponsored by LiveProducersOnline.com, a community of Ableton Live users connecting you to the pros to learn today's music production.